On today's show, we're bringing the Bible to life. I'll start by taking you to Jerusalem. We're going to be teaching from the Mount of Olives. Then some of the world's foremost Bible prophecy experts answer your questions. Messianic Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, author of The Harbinger, and Dr. Mark Hitchcock, author of The End. And then it's on to Gondar, Ethiopia, to meet an ancient lost tribe of Israel. All this and more on Jewish Voice. Shalom and welcome to Jewish Voice, a program to help you understand the Jewishness of Yeshua, Jesus, why that matters to you, and what God is doing today with Israel. In fact, I just returned from Israel where I did one of my favorite things in the whole world. I led our biannual tour of the Holy Land. We celebrated communion at the Garden Tomb. Marriage vows were renewed on the Sea of Galilee. We prayed on the Mount of Beatitudes. We walked the streets of Jerusalem. In fact, we explored underneath the walls of the ancient temple. Many people were baptized and recommitted themselves in the Jordan River and so many other experiences. It, it, th this shouldn't be something on your bucket list. This should be something that you do soon. I've been leading tours to Israel for over 30 years now, and I can tell you, it never gets old. It's always a life-changing experience. While I was in Jerusalem, I had a chance to teach on the Mount of Olives overlooking the Temple Mount. This is the most contested real estate in the world. I want to take you there now to listen to a teaching from my newly updated and expanded book, A Rabbi Looks at the Last Days. So let's go now to the great city of Jerusalem. I'm standing here in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives, the place that Jesus will return to. That scripture is very clear about this, and whether it's here or right behind me, I don't know, but somewhere on the Mount of Olives. And behind me, down below, you can see what was in the time of Yeshua, the Temple Mount, the second temple that was built by Ezra and Nehemiah, the returning captives from Babylon and then later rebuilt by Herod, or beautified by Herod the Great, was the temple that Jesus came to. And you can see a gold dome. That's the Dome of the Rock, a Muslim mosque that was built in the 6th century, about 550 years after Yeshua lived. And it was built right over what was the Holy of Holies uh, in the temple. And if you look closely, you can see a gate. That's the Golden Gate. It's, it's been um, uh, filled in and it was filled in by the Arabs because they understood the prophecy that the Messiah, when he came, would go through this gate to establish his kingdom, and they had conquered this land. They were ruling this land, and they didn't want to take any chances, so they covered this gate, and they, they uh, built a cemetery right in front of the gate, just to be sure, because according to Jewish law, can't enter a cemetery. So that was what they did in order to ensure uh, their dominance in this land. This area, this the Temple Mount, what's known as the Temple Mount, is the most disputed real estate in the entire world. This has been the focal point of world attention. And Yeshua gave us ver a very clear prophecy concerning the last days about this area, the Temple Mount, when his disciples asked him what will be the sign of his return. He very clearly stated that the, this, the great temple, and it was absolutely a magnificent site, it was probably the most impressive building in the entire world at that time, and some of the stones were in excess of 
50 to 100 tons, tons. Just amazing that they were able to do this. And Yeshua told his disciples concerning the siege of Jerusalem and his return that not one stone would be left unturned. And that's exactly what happened in 70 AD when the Romans conquered Jerusalem, burned the city to the ground, and completely destroyed the temple. And it's never been rebuilt since. Now we have the Dome of the Rock there, and some believe that has to come down in order for a third temple to be built. Now, one of the specific things that Yeshua also told his disciples, which is very significant when we talk about the last days, and I've just completely rewritten my book, A Rabbi Looks at the Last Days, because understanding that the, the season of the end is so important. The men of Issachar understood the times and they were wise. No one knows the day, the hour of his return. So date setting, uh, I think, is a terrible mistake. But we should know the season. We should, we should understand that, as Yeshua said, when the fig tree blossoms, know that his time is near. The fig tree, I believe, is symbolic of Israel. And the restoration of Israel in 1948 was very, very significant. But I think even more significant is what he told his disciples in Matthew 20, or rather Luke, 21 verse 24. Look there with me. It says, They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. That is so, so significant. When it talks about Jerusalem in Scripture, it's not talking about the vast city behind me, but specifically the, the old city of Jerusalem. The area that's walled in are very similar to the area that's now inside of the ancient walls of Jerusalem, and most significantly, the Temple Mount behind me. So Yeshua says that nation after nation will come with the sword, will take control of Jerusalem, and that is exactly what happened. We have layer after layer after layer of different conquests, conquests by Romans, and then the Byzantines, and then Arabs, and then the Crusaders, and then the Arabs again, the Turks, finally the British, and in 1948, the reestablishment of Israel. But 1967 is an even more significant date because Yeshua told us that Jerusalem, the ancient city of Jerusalem, would be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And that happened, that was the case until 1967. Before 1967, the old city of Jerusalem was entirely under the control of the Jordanians. Now, it's a fallacy that the, this was an autonomous area for Palestine, the Palestinians, in other words. The Palestinians never had control of this area. They were always under another, another country, Turks until 1917, the British until 1947, and then this was all part of Jordan until 1967. But in 1967, the Jewish people defeated Jordan, Syria, Egypt, these combined armies in what has come to be known as the Six-Day War. In six days, they defeated all of their, the enemies that surrounded them, and on the seventh day, they rested. This was the hand of God. This was a sovereign move of God. And the most significant thing that came out of this was the reestablishment of the ancient city of Jerusalem. It was a divided city until the Six-Day War. So in 1967, we have Bible prophecy being fulfilled in detail when Israeli forces took back 
the ancient city of Jerusalem behind me. They took back control of the Temple Mount, allowed, of course, the Muslims to continue to worship their Judaism as a religion of tolerance. And you can hear the, the mosque, the chanting in the mosque behind me. That's how tolerant Jewish community is here. The government of Israel continues to allow all the holy places of Christianity and Islam to continue to operate unencumbered. And that's true of the Temple Mount. But that's going to change at some point when the Temple Mount, in some way, shape, or form, sees the reestablishment of the ancient temple, a rebuilt temple, the third temple. But the point I want to make is that when Israel took back the old city of Jerusalem, I believe it marked this transition in Bible history. The time of the Gentiles came to a close, and now we're in a transition period between this time of the trampling down of the Gentiles of Jerusalem and the, the time that Jerusalem is now back under the control of the Jewish people, marking what I believe is not only the last days, but the last of the last days. And it's no coincidence that 1967 marks the date that Jewish people began to come in great numbers back to the Messiah. The blindness began to come off of their eyes. And that's what we're told in uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 25, that there's a blindness that's covered the eyes of the Jewish people in part until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. And that fullness of the Gentiles and the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled are one and the same. And since then we've seen tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Jewish people come to know Yeshua, Jesus, as their Messiah, but he is going to return. He's gonna return soon. He's gonna return here to the Mount of Olives and somehow that gate is gonna open up. The cemetery's not going to stop him and he's going to reestablish or, or rather establish his kingdom here on this earth. The first time he came in, his, in mercy, in forgiveness as the Lamb of God, but he'll return to this place as the Lion of the tribe of Judah and establish his kingdom. Friends, we are in the last days. We are living in the last days. And we need to understand the season that we live in. And we need to fulfill our destiny while we have time. We need to occupy until he comes. When we come back, prophecy experts Dr. Mark Hitchcock and Messianic Rabbi Jonathan Kahn answer some of your questions. As you respond with a gift of $40 or more, we will send you Jonathan Burness's latest book, A Rabbi Looks at the Last Days. In this insightful and inspirational book, which is completely updated and rewritten, you'll discover surprising insights from both the Old and New Testaments that will challenge almost everything you thought you knew about the end times. Exactly how biblical prophecies are being fulfilled right now and what that means for you and what you can do to prepare for the Messiah's return. In addition, we'll also send you Jonathan's teaching, The Role of Israel in the Last Day's Prophecy. In this in-depth audio teaching series on CD, Jonathan will answer such questions as, what does the Bible's reference to the fullness of Gentiles mean? And what one single great event must take place before the return of Jesus? Also, and for a very limited time, if you're able to send a gift of $100 or more to help meet this urgent need, Jonathan will personally sign a special copy of his latest book, endorsing it to you by name in appreciation for your generous help for our outreach. 
Now, prophecy experts Dr. Mark Hitchcock and Messianic Rabbi Jonathan Kahn answer some of your questions. Tell us uh, who you are, where you're from, and your question. Hi, I'm Yvonne Ginder. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. And I'd really like the viewpoint of the three of you on the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem in the end times. Yeah, there are several passages that tell us there's going to be a temple that's rebuilt during the end times. We know Matthew 24, verse 15, Jesus said, you know, you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, you know, flee into the, into the wilderness. But I, I think one of the key passages to me also is uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 4. It says the man of sin is going to sit in the temple of God, and he's going to declare that he is God. And that's what this abomination of desolation is when he comes and declares himself to be God and uh, desecrates the temple. And then also Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Uh, mentions the the measuring of the temple uh, during that future time of tribulation. So, just to set the record straight, the temple is not currently being rebuilt, and it is not. I've I heard one prophecy teacher say that it was rebuilt, mm -hmm. and I asked for pictures, and that I'm in mean, I just came back from Israel. It's not rebuilt. But what is interesting is that there is a movement to rebuild the temple that's growing in prominence. And that in itself is pretty amazing. And they are training priests. They, that is happening. And they are trying to restore all those things. Yeah. So clearly something's happening. Great question. All right, who's next? Tell I'm us your Dave question. I'm Dave from Sun City. I just finished reading The Harbinger. And as I got to around page 190 beyond, I kept wondering if America does not turn back to God, do you think there could be an even bigger catastrophic events like maybe September of 2015. Okay. Uh, well, without putting dates, you know, on it, and, and what, what you're referring to is the next Shemitah, you know, with that, 2015, um, is that there are, there's a pattern of judgment, you know, uh, that you see. And actually, if you go on from the Harbinger's verse, Isaiah 9:10, you go on from that, it speaks about the judgment, what would happen to Israel, including fire on the land is there division, you know, all sorts of things. And not that it has to happen exactly as it happened then. That's, they're two different nations, but the pattern is there. There's a pattern in the Bible of judgment of the sword, and that's, that's violence, that's terror, that's war. There's a pattern of pestilence, that's, that, is, that is disease. Um, and then there's the pattern of famine, which is lack. And those, those recur continuously in the Bible. But it can happen in several ways. Man-made disaster, terrorism. It can happen natural disaster, division, decline, um, war, military defeat. But I would say that one of the first things that I believe we will see if America does not turn back is the removal of America's crown as the head of nations, which we have lived with for most of our lives. And that's going to be the end of the American age. And I believe that, with that if America doesn't turn back, that'll be sooner than later. But then all these other things can follow. God, you know, how they happen, there are several different options. But, but I believe it, the pattern is one after the other. If if there's a rejection of one warning, there will become another shaking and another shaking. You had 9-11, then you had the collapse of our economy. We're still in the shadow of it. You'll have another, it, we've not gotten out of it. It's not gotten better. But there'll be another shaking and another shaking until either we repent or there's judgment. Next question, tell us your name, where you're from, and your question for our panel. I'm Dr. William Lawrence from Phoenix, and my question sort of been answered because it was what would happen, and you gave, you gave a very good uh, definition of what's going to happen. Now my question is, do you think that's the way it's going to go? 
Um, <laughs> I think I, if, if I look at the culture of America, if I look at the way it's going, I, to imagine it turn, turning around is very hard, you know, to see that. For Hollywood to repent, for all these things to repent, you know. But I believe, right, I believe there, as I said when we were talking, there can be both. We can live and see shakings and judgment and shakings and revival in the midst. And we may see this polarity. We may see their revival among his people and at the same time, same time, judgment of the culture and judgment. So both can happen. Right now, that's what, that's, I believe, if there was no hope again, there wouldn't be any of this. There wouldn't be the message. So I believe there is hope. But, but for the culture, the way it's looking, it doesn't look good. So right now, I'm seeing a picture of two things. Do you, do you see a great falling away, Mark, taking place now? Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the signs of the times in the New Testament is, is a surging apostasy, you know, and, and the word apostasy means to fall away. Uh, it's people who know the truth and who willfully abandon it, willfully turn away from it. And, of course, we know during the tribulation period there's going to be a great falling away, the great apostasy. And uh, we're not at that yet because we're not in that period of time, but we could be on the leading edge of that today and what we're seeing. Do you see, do you see the, do you guys both see the church getting brighter Believers getting getting brighter and revival, and and the darkness getting darker. Or I, do you I, see it that way or different? I see I see a dual picture in the scriptures because on one hand you have an you have apostasy and evil, but it says the, at the same time the gospel will be preached to all nations, and you have the saints there. So as the dark gets darker, those who are real, those who even if they're a more minority, they have to shine brighter. It's kind of like the beginning of the age and the end of the age is a parallel. Beginning you had the persecution, but you had saints of God. You had the Book of Acts. I believe that dynamic will also be at the end. You know, but it doesn't mean it's the majority. But but the fact is that we are we have to get brighter. If the dark is getting darker. We have to get brighter. Great answers, gentlemen. I want to thank you both very much, yeah. Dr. Hitchcock, Rabbi Tom. And I want to in, in, encourage you to write to us with your questions or email us. We're on Facebook also and uh, we'll try to get an answer back to you. As you respond with a gift of $40 or more, we will send you Jonathan Burness's latest book, A Rabbi Looks at the Last Days. In this insightful and inspirational book, which is completely updated and rewritten, you'll discover surprising insights from both the Old and New Testaments that will challenge almost everything you thought you knew about the end times exactly how biblical prophecies are being fulfilled right now and what that means for you and what you can do to prepare for the Messiah's return. In addition, we'll also send you Jonathan's teaching, The Role of Israel in the Last Days Prophecy. In this in-depth audio teaching series on CD, Jonathan will answer such questions as, what does the Bible's reference to the fullness of Gentiles mean? and what one single great event must take place before the return of Jesus. Also, and for a very limited time, if you're able to send a gift of $100 or more to help meet this urgent need, Jonathan will personally sign a special copy of his latest book, endorsing it to you by name in appreciation for your generous help for our outreach. Please call, click, or write now. When you respond, you'll not only receive these two powerful spiritual resources, you will be providing life-saving medical help to some very needy Jewish people thousands of miles away, introducing them to the good news that Yeshua is indeed their true Messiah. And please be as generous as possible. Thank you. 
our mandate at Jewish Voice is to go anywhere in the world where there's Jewish people open to the gospel. And through that, we reach all people. It brings us to remote places like the Bush of Zimbabwe and here in Gondar, Ethiopia, to help an ancient Jewish community, a lost tribe, the Beta Israel, the House of Israel. These are people that live in absolute squalor. Uh, most of them have never been to a, a, a dentist or received eye care or medical care. And we provide that all free of charge. Eyeglasses, eye surgeries. We couldn't do this without the partnership of those like you who stand with us around the world. And one way you can partner with this ministry is by coming on one of our outreaches. We go to India to help the B'nai Menashe. We go to Ethiopia three times to help different Jewish communities. We're working now in Zimbabwe with the Lemba tribe, an ancient Jewish tribe. These are lost tribes of Israel that God is restoring in these last days. And it takes volunteers. This is absolutely critical to these outreaches. And I promise you this, if you come on an outreach, God will use you. And in the midst of using you, he will change you as well. We need you to say, Hineni, here am I, send me. Dr. Eugene, this is your first clinic. What's your impression so far? Oh, I love it. Uh, it's been a, a remarkable experience for us. Uh, it's my first, actually my second mission trip to do. And uh, when we came down to Ethiopia, we've had a really remarkable time. It's been very, very fulfilling. Um, I'm pretty settled in my career, but I always felt that there was still something missing. And um, I, I am a big giver. And so I felt that this was the next step to use the, the skill that God has given me to, to help mankind. When you're here, you get an opportunity to serve God. And it's, it's almost like your act of worship, your act of sacrifice is helping his own. It's like giving a cold cup of water to the least of these. It's the person in front of you is Jesus and you're showing their, your love to them. So it's and changed you. It's, it, it feels like it brings me closer to God when I can serve his children that are hurting. I am so happy to be here. Um, I was here three years ago and I've been dying to come back ever since. There's, there's, it's hard to find words to describe how, what it's like to actually be here. You know, you see things on TV, you hear about it from your friends, but when you're actually here, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother ball field. When you look outside of the clinic at the masses of humanity, thousands of people waiting to get in, it truly is about helping a multitude. But for our volunteers, it's that one life that uh, was transformed that touched their heart. Imagine a life of hardship, hunger, and despair, teetering on a knife-edge existence with no promise of tomorrow. Your health has been on the decline for years, and there exists no state or county clinic to help you. You're on your own. As an Ethiopian Jew, part of the Beta Israel community, you are an outcast, marginalized by society and despised by neighbors. This is the harsh reality for so many here. This is the life of Wagaya Gedi. Today, she's making the difficult journey over the hilly and dusty roads of Gondar, dodging cars, goat herds, and crowds of people. A hike that will take her an hour and a half on blistered feet. But she's heard about the clinic, and it's a once-in-a-lifetime chance to get the medical attention she desperately needs, having endured abdominal pain brought on by complications during pregnancy. This will be the very first time she sees a physician. Dr. Lawrence is an emergency room doctor from Dallas. He wants to check her heart and lung functions to assess her overall health. Now treating her for her pain, but uh, she's gonna need to go to the GYN for a continued workout. 
Dr. Fajardo from Colombia is a specialist at the clinic and was able to give her an ultrasound on site to aid in her diagnosis. It's the very first medical treatment of such she has ever received, and she is most likely unaware of the important role it plays in her health care. I just found out that this was the first time that she had seen a doctor, and um, if that problem keeps going, they will need to be repaired surgically. If you do all the prevention before, she will prevent surgery, she will prevent a lot of problems in the long run. Here in the prayer tent, she meets with volunteers who administer much-needed prayer for her health and family, as well as encouragement in hopes of lifting her spirit that is understandably downtrodden, offering a chance to unload the tremendous burden she shoulders each day. Hearing the good news of Yeshua, the spiritual counseling she receives is perhaps the first time she is told that while she has been abandoned, she is not forgotten or alone that God sees her plight and is reaching out to her even this very day through these volunteers acting as the hands and his feet of Yeshua. What would you say to young people that are watching the program right now that are wondering, should I be go to this? Uh, stop sitting on the couch, stop Facebooking, and get over here. Amen. Get over here. You're gonna, you're gonna, it's gonna change your life. Um, like I said, I was here three years ago. I have been dying to come back ever since. It's something that, it's in my heart now, and it's not gonna leave, and I'm gonna come back as much as I can, as often as I can. Um, it's worth it. Whatever, whatever you need to do to get here, get here. God is speaking to some of you now that are watching and moving on your heart. That's the Holy Spirit. Be obedient and, and say yes and come with us on one of these outreaches to bless the Jewish people. There's no greater blessing than giving of your time and very life to help these people. And as you bless the Jewish people, the Bible says God will bless you back. Not only will he use you to change the lives of Jewish people in places like Ethiopia, but he'll change you in the midst of your service to the Jewish people. We would love to have you join us. So if you're interested in volunteering for an outreach, send an email to us at outreach at jvmi.org. We would sure love to have you, and God will use you. We'll be right back. Coming this summer, July 13th through July 20th, join Jonathan Burness and his family on a spectacular Alaskan cruise. You'll experience teachings and praise and worship in some of the most breathtaking and rugged scenery in the world. This is a voyage you won't want to miss. Be sure to join us in beautiful Alaska. Since 1967, Jewish Voice has been dedicated to proclaiming the good news that Yeshua Jesus is the promised Messiah to the Jew first and also to the nations. One way that we do this is by locating and ministering to some of the most impoverished and needy Jewish people in the world. 
we have been able to demonstrate God's love by providing his people with medical care, dental care, eye care, and most importantly, the gospel. And it's through your sacrificial financial support that we're able to make a difference in their lives. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to check us out on Facebook. You can go to facebook.com slash Jewish voice, forward slash Jewish voice. As I close, as I always do, I want to remind you to fulfill the command from Psalm 122, verse 6. It says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Till next time, this is Jonathan Bernis saying shalom and God bless you. Jewish Voice is made possible by the support of friends and partners like you.